Another episode of Good Story. We got our special guests here, hey. Jason IU and Chaz IU. We'd like to welcome them. Welcome, welcome, guys. Let's get a round of applause. Get a round of applause. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> it's been our 20, 27th episode. Yeah. It's our 27th right. episode, and we finally got some administrators up here at BYU to tell us what's really going on, because <laughs> we've had Puka, we've had Kingsley, they don't know what is going on. His oh, co-worker, he, he canceled oh, on us. Hashtag, 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 we, hashtag Jay, we invited him a couple times. Been, no, no, no. He's we, been busy. We, we invited him once. We're only going to ask you once, so that's it. So we've... We've Hashtag is the Aaron to the Moses. You know what I'm saying? He should have came first. JD, we love you, JD. Love you, JD. No, what? Yeah, we love JD, but we just we're still trying to figure out what he does at BYU. But anyways, don't worry about that. Anyways, let me give a little intro to our family that just came out here. Chaz, he's got numerous awards. A national recruit came out to BYU. Had a lot of offers. Washington, which I thought he should go, and uh, there was other places that had offered him. So, you guys want a drink? We got some non-alcoholic bubbly and some uh, Mountain Dizzo. They good. Good right here. Anyways, so let me let me just give you a little intro. Our, our, our cousin Jason, man, he he been around the world, but let, you know, just just to give you a little tidbit, Jay used to work at the the school up up north, you know, and uh, tell us a little bit about your role there, Jay. That was, they call it now like an analyst. That's what I was. That was my role up at Utah for three years. Before that, I was four years at Snow College. I was a defensive line coach. And then uh, Coach Anderson had called me in January, asked me to be a part of his staff up there. And I loved it. I had a great time with Coach Witt, with Coach John Pease. Rest in peace. That's my guy. The OG. Yeah, he's the OG. And, <clears throat> And um, had a great time with Morgan and Jay Hill and all those guys over there, Doug LSI in the weight room, Greg Argus, all those people. Brother Doug. So it was a it was a great experience. After that opportunity, um, I didn't get the full time D line coach position, and which was a blessing in disguise. I didn't see it then. I was a little, I was a little low key upset that I didn't get that job a little bit. And we're going to make you pay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. But I had the opportunity to coach my son. So I was able to coach him nice. from his eighth grade year all the way into his junior year. And then and then Kalani called me in 2017, 2016, to, uh, to be a part of his staff. And the rest is history. So, so congratulations to Jason. He actually just graduated with a master's degree at BYU. Uh, he also got his... His, uh, did I say master's? Yeah, yeah. master's. Yeah. He got his bachelor's degree also at BYU. And he also is a graduate of Etiwanda High School. Ehi Eagles, of, baby, 1990. A lot of you guys don't know. It. A lot of people don't know where that is, but you know, that's, oh, that's Upland Valley. That's Rancho, Rancho. kind of. Rancho kind of. Chaz knows that's where yeah. he served his mission. Rochester. You know? Wow. And Chaz served his mission there? That's Man. right. Yep. Chaz went back he had to where his Rancho. Yep. He had a lot of disgruntled people. He knocked on his door and they're like, he's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, are you? Yeah, that's where I really found out the business down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. But that's, <laughs> <time's running past. laughs> that's for another show because. You know what? 
Without Joanne, you are nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you. our sister Joanne. Shout out to Joanne. So man. let's give a little highlights of some some of the stuff that Jason has been able to accomplish while he's been at BYU. He established and implemented the current BYU football academic expectation program with the players and coaches and facility and faculty appreciation program, the guest coach of the day. I actually was able to experience that. They came down and there was a a lady that was in the equipment room that we actually chased down and she was actually even on vacation, but you guys gave her that award. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to experience that. Yes, I'm at the facility more than I should be. (laughs) So anyways, he created and coordinated the BYU. This is our family tradition, the trunk of tree. So the mm. trunk of tree, that's that's a huge thing. And uh, lots and lots of candies give you the MC. No way. And uh, we won't talk about, man, it seems like we don't, there's not a show that goes by we don't talk about JD. That's the influence. That's what's a hashtag. That's hashtag, does. man. He developed and coordinated the Youth Pro Day um, event, uh, Big Man's Camp and the 7-on-7, seven seven, coordinated and successful BYU NFL Pro Day. Now, the NFL Pro Day, and I, I can speak on this because I've been to other NFL Pro Days, BYU by far is the best. Well, I'm not just saying that because Jason's family. Since Jason actually yeah. implemented because, Jay, I see what they, you did when uh, they started doing I never saw the one that. before that. They had life-size signs of players, and they had, like, special parking for all those scouts. They came from NFL, 32 teams. Like, Jay, yeah, no, Jay no, like, I'm rolled out the red that, car. I'm oh, yeah, about before, before that, that, it was non-existent. Let's so just be honest. We won't, we won't even talk about who did that before and wasted all of our tithing money. Anyways, uh, we initiated the BYU Polynesian Club after a four-year hiatus to provide student-athletes with the opportunity to interact and mingle with the students on campus in an uplifting and proactive way. That was a good move, Jay, by the dude. Bringing that back because yeah. it was... I didn't even know it was gone. Yeah, it was gone for a little bit. It was gone for a minute. And that was a saving grace for me when I was a student, having a place to go mm-hmm. and, and mingle with other people and have the same culture of background. Everybody so. knows your name. But Jay, I think off air, when we were talking before we started this podcast, those are the type of programs that these kids need, the interaction, right? 100%. You know what I mean? We need like stuff like that instead of scrolling up, scrolling to the side, left, right, looking at pictures. What about, you that, what about you what? that can't even do a Polynesian dance? All you can do is sea walk. Anyways, to, as we're moving along, this is the my favorite one. I worked at PCC. A member. Kiki show. Yo, right, Don't get right, it twisted. Right, 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 right. Kiki Okalani, right. <laughs> the baby of the bunch. Right. And the member, this is, this is my favorite. He was a member of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee on campus. Now, we have Simone on. A member of DoTerra that he was on, and they have a diversity committee. He talked a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. For BYU to have that, that's huge that's for huge. me. Yeah, you need it because need a it. lot of people they look at BYU as non tolerant. Did I say that right? Yeah. Jay, what did they do before? Sorry, what did they do before that? Mm. There wasn't really a on a goal. A uh, yeah. a set deal. Yeah, it was. There was nothing really there. We have a. Uh, we now have an assistant AD, associate AD Whitney Johnson, who's done an amazing job. But it's it's been long overdue. And I'm Man. glad BYU's finally done it. You know the the honor code office, how they run things now is a lot different than when we were mm-hmm. when we were there back in the day. And so they've made some great strides and great change. I'm actually really proud of the the change that we've done and and how we've come as a university with diversity, inclusion, belonging, the honor code, um, all those things. So, Because, Jay, when 
recruits come, non-members, right, of the LDS faith. It's a culture shock. I'm surprised we've they, BYU's never had something like that before. But now, since Jay's been there and started all these programs, I. It's it's great, man. I, I just think it's they're moving in the right direction. All the little things, all the little hats that you wore, Jay. A lot of people don't know behind the scenes. Jay wore a lot of hats. Like you're just name you're just saying all these things that you know the titles, but you wear a lot of hats. A lot it's of hats. Lot. We'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. You know, as we move For sure. forward. But look, you know, let's let's talk about Chaz, man. Yeah, so as we're moving along, my nephew Chaz, I didn't look at your bio, but I want you to speak on it because <laughs> A lot of people see Chaz as the silent. Can we say killer on the thing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this is a sports talk language. You know? oh, okay. Right. right. Kind, of, kind of the 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 silent leader. I mean, we watched enough games to know that your presence was felt in the the football realm. Talk to us a little bit about leading up to BYU. I already kind of touched on that. That should have went to Washington. But anyways, as we're, you know, there was other schools, um, UCLA, you know, other schools that were looking at Chaz IU as being their guy. And uh, talk to me about the journey as you decided to go to BYU. What was it? Because your dad wasn't there yet. Yeah, there was a there was a lot that went into it. Um, at first, I, I was pretty much sold on on Washington. My visit actually went at the time when you went to a visit on when you went on a visit to Washington. They said that you couldn't commit to them on the visit because, I mean, they just knew how how good they were. Like they, you go to Washington on a visit, you want to commit on the spot. Mm-hmm. So they told us like you have to go home and then think about it for a little bit, and then you can call us back and say you want to commit. So they didn't even give me the chance to commit um, when I went there. So wrong move. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really between BYU, Washington, and UCLA. UCLA was my was my dream school um, for a while. I just remember. Well, them in Oklahoma. Oklahoma was another one of my dream schools, but uh, Oklahoma, they had kind of, I felt disrespected by them a lot throughout my recruiting process. Speak on it, nephew. What? what, what what's I mean, the, you know? uh, two days before uh, commitment day, they called me up. One of the coaches said, hey, I'm going to be out in your area. I want to have a talk with you. And I was like, at that point, I told my dad about that. We were fed up with it. So I was like, well, if you don't even have an offer for me, why do you want to talk to me? And so after that, the coach was like, well, maybe that's what it's for. And I just never mm-hmm. responded to him after that. Um and so I kind of blew them off after they blew me off for a while after I showed my interest to them. And then UCLA, uh, they were going through that, uh, the coaching switches and stuff. The coaches were kind of on the line uh, with Coach Mora. And the coach, the, the DB coach there, we called him, uh, who was it, Coach Demetrius? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was the one recruiting me really heavy out of UCLA, and he, he bounced actually the next season after that. So, you know, I would have been out there fending for myself um, had I gone to UCLA. So I made a really good choice not going there but came to BYU wanted to be around family have my family at my games um I know my mom told me when I was thinking about committing somewhere she was like you know I'm gonna fly to every one of your games I was like man all 12 games she's gonna have to fly out to Mm -hmm. Washington and across the nation so you know BYU at least she gets six for free automatically right there doesn't just drive down the street so that was the biggest thing for me was to have my family there so that's kind of how I ended up here at BYU nice and I have some bad feelings about UCLA too, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boy, they kind of blew us off too. It's okay. You're he didn't right, even come out of his office. You know, you guys in the right place, right time. Anyways, we are speaking from a, a Cougar fan. I'm a Cougar fan. Anyways, <laughs> moving along, as Chaz has accomplished a lot of stuff, just like his dad, we wanted to just you know have these guys on the on on the show to talk about life in general 
um, we had Hunter Ava on, and she talked about diversity and coming from Rose Park and having to be able to touch uh, or experience, I shouldn't say touch, but experience what it's like to be at BYU, not, you know, having a lot of people that look like her. Right. Uh, mm-hmm can relate to some of the things that she's done. And and for me, I thought, man, there's a lot of polys out at BYU. But sometimes I feel like maybe they just kind of keep to themselves, you know. And a lot of times, I I, I mean, I, I think my son doesn't even uh, identify with them. And and, and I don't want to speak on his behalf, just, just speaking on stuff like that. But with diversity and having an opportunity to be at a church school, Talk to us about that, Chaz. What has your experience been about at the church school? You know, in your own words, how, how do you feel the diversity is at the school? Uh, it's changed a lot. When I first was getting recruited by BYU, I remember coming to the practices and there was, I mean, there was polys, but black, as far as black student athletes there, there was like five at the most, you know, maybe usually it was like three and the other two were like walk-ons. And and so like the the team wasn't really as dominant as it is now today. I mean, I feel like pretty much our whole defense is is black and poly, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's pretty crazy to think that BYU being the church school and the, you know, especially the stigma that comes behind it, being a Mormon school, uh, LDS school in Utah, you know, a lot of, you talk to every person outside of Utah and it's like, man, that school is racist. Like you right. go to Utah there, the, the culture there is they don't like anyone with different color skin than white. Oh yeah. And so, you know, it's been kind of cool to see the transition from, uh, from what it used to be to what it is now where, you know, you walk inside the locker room and you have no clue that you're in Provo, Utah. You know, it's a whole different feel yeah. now. I felt that too when I first walked into the locker room and then you guys just had somebody commit that was from Texas, the running back. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't have happened five years ago. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and I think the, the opportunity that BYU has to be able to touch a lot of, because they travel well. You guys travel well. You're going out to, to Tampa this year. Make sure you drink a lot of pickle juice. <laughs> I already know the drill. <laughs> you know, but I don't think a lot of a lot of these guys don't understand. Like, I, I've talked to my son about this. Uh, the weather's going to be different yeah. when you guys start out there. So, anyways, but on top of that, with the diversity and the and and that you see in the locker room, and also with the coaching staff. Now, they, I never was seen, even the analysts or the recruiting staff or that support staff, that would have never happened five years ago. Maybe it would have, but I don't think so. Yeah. You know, and so as the church continues to, I don't say change, but evolve, and and the school continues to change and evolve, I think there's a strength behind the opportunity to be di- diverse, you know, and it's how you take it. Yeah, I think there's a, you know, for... For Kalani, he's done a really good job. And for us, we don't see color. You're trying to get the best coaches available. And the best athletes. And the best athletes. And it's our job as administrators, as staff, support staff, as coaches, to get the best football players regardless of where they are and have them feel like they belong at BYU. I still believe very heavily that every human, every individual wants to feel like they belong somewhere. They belong at BYU. They belong on the football team. They belong in the academics. They belong. They want to feel special. They want to feel like they're listened to and that they're heard, that their voice matters, right? And then they also want to feel like they have a have some sort of control in their life. They're not being dictated to, but they're part of the 
collaboration of their goals and that they can still achieve their goals and maximize. And so I think for us was let's get the best players. There's been conversations where we need more African-Americans. We need more Polynesians. We need more of this, more of that. And my whole sense that we, we shouldn't have a quota. It should be get the best football player right. possible. Best person. It's the best person that fits with what we're trying to do. I have a responsibility. I think Coach Tuiaki says it very well in our coaching staff. We have a responsibility to protect our locker room. Mm. and making sure we're bringing in guys that fit the culture of what we are and won't disrupt it. And the guys that we have, I mean, Chad's going to test. He's part of that locker room. We have a strong locker room of good people that have a conscience. They're going to make mistakes. And you're, I mean, we were boys. We were young at that age, too, and you're going to do things and play and go have fun and make bad choices, bad decisions. The difference between our locker room and anybody else's locker room is – there is a conscience and there is someone in your group and your teammates that will say, you know what, <laughs> maybe we shouldn't do that. You know, that was a lot of fun, but I don't know if we should do that again. Or maybe, one, always, maybe you know, one more time. Maybe one more time, <laughs> but there is someone, right? Like you have to make a conscious choice. I hope so. Right? And so I have a son that's in the locker room too. And I have I, a son too. I hope uh, his older cousin's watching out for him and, you know, slapping no, him in the head. I got him. You know? <laughs> but I also yeah. see it like, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chaz takes that responsibility to, to, to bring, there's no real hazing in our locker room. I mean, we'll tease and we'll make him do the fight song. We'll do some different things. But our guys remember what it was to be a freshman when they came in and they're passing it, paying it forward. And I think that's why top to bottom, we should not be beating SC and going 6-0 against the Pac-12 and beating Power 5 teams. Top to bottom, just from a roster athletic perspective, the secret sauce is the guys in the locker room and their character and how they battle for each other. And like I said, we're, it's 123 guys, man, in the locker room. Right. It's, it's, a, man- lot of guys. it's a lot of guys to manage. They're not all Eagle Scouts. Right. right. They're not all goody two-shoes. They come from all yeah. different backgrounds different people and there's a reason why our non-LDS players love BYU and even if they are no longer on the team they kind of stay it's the culture it's the it's culture the you culture, guys created right? and so we've got a long ways to go we've come a long ways we have a culture of love and learn and I think that you know we're blessed with strong leaders and strong players and we have excellent coaches that know how to coach ball you know but there's more to life at BYU, if you're coming just for the football, then there's probably other places to go that will be better for you. That that's yeah. what you're looking for. We're trying to make men great fathers, great priesthood holders, great husbands, great uh, you know, great sons, right. you know, great nephews, great uncles. You know. So t- tell me one thing. If you can name one thing, that's the difference between this this culture now and say five years ago or ten years ago. Tell Tell me one thing that you think is different because there have been some great players that come through this program, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of great fathers, a lot of great priesthood holders. Tell us what the difference is now. Yeah, what do you think? So when you first came to BYU as a freshman to where we are now, what do you, do you see a difference to you? What do you see? Yeah, I see a huge difference. Like when I came in as a freshman, you couldn't speak up. You couldn't say nothing as a freshman. Mm. As a freshman, you just come in and you... You know, you kind of, you know, that's how it goes in everything. Like you go to the league as a rookie, it's going to be like that no matter what. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and so that's kind of how the, the culture was. I mean, they tried to get us to shave our heads as freshmen. Um, you know, they had made us do some dumb things in the locker room just because, you know, you're the freshman on town. So every time we got into practice or anything, if I try to coach somebody up, like they wouldn't even, you know, bat an eye. They wouldn't even look at me, hear nothing. And, you know, nowadays I think we understand, I think everyone on the team understands, you know, that everyone brings a value to the team. And so everyone contributes, contributes. you know, there's right. we have guys on the team that have been you know, on the scout team for three years in a row, and they're correcting some of the starters that have been there for forever and, like, putting them in line, and the starters don't, you know, talk down on them, don't say nothing like that. So, you know, the value that everyone brings is seen, and I think that's why we're able to beat those teams is because, you know, that we've already accepted, you know, everyone's accepted their role, and no one has, you know, devalued somebody or made them less. They, you know, I've let them play their role and help use everyone to your advantage, really. You know, there's none of that. Um, you know, these are our starters and these are the guys. Everyone take care of these guys. You know, everyone on the team is taken care of and everyone has that mindset. So I think that's been the biggest change since my freshman year to now is, you know, the, it's really hard to point out just one leader. You know, there's going to be guys that never touched the field this year that have been, you know, key instruments in, in leading the team um, to how our success is. So that's huge. That's, that's, big, that's, yeah. big. that's and, big. And Chaz, what, that all starts from the top, right? Like that actually trickles down. That comes from coaches. That comes from the leaders on the team. Like, um, what what are some of the things that has helped you uh, mature and change from being a freshman to now? What are some things that you're doing differently now to get ready for the season coming up? Man, there's a lot to it. Um, I think the biggest, I mean, as far as it goes physically preparing, you know, I never, as a young kid, you can eat whatever you want and <laughs> stay up however late you want. Like, right? I remember, I mean, freshman year, you come in. <laughs> You're up until four in the morning, just hanging out. Like you're not even doing Playing anything. Playing games, just up. Whatever, yeah. yeah, for no reason. Yep, you I got those calls from the dorm. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're up till four in the morning throwing water balloons at people outside. Oh, like, we're doing the dumbest things, and then right. turn right around six a.m. practice, and we're doing just fine, keeping up with everyone. But you now. feel indestructible. Indestructible. You feel like, I'm, I'm on. I, I can do it. I can do mm-hmm. this. But that only lasts. It only lasts so long, and yeah. then all of a sudden you stay up late one night, and the next day you're hurt. The next day, and it's like, man, I can't be doing that no more. So, you know, that as far as that goes. I take care of my body a lot more than I than mm-hmm. I used to. I, you know, pre-practice, post-practice, uh, you know, routines that I'm doing now. That's something I'm doing to prepare. Um, as far as an IQ standpoint, watching different film, listening to different mm-hmm. things. Um, our team does two weeks, two di- two times a week. We do position film watching, and none of the coaches are in there. It's just players in there. We just go in there and chop it up and um, kind of feed, give feedback on each other, give our own ideas. Um, and so I think that's actually been a huge thing because. It's crazy now because the young dudes in our in our locker rooms are able to teach, you know, mm. the plays and stuff like that. Like we're obviously the guys that just came in within the last six months aren't teaching, but guys that are just in the program for the last year are in there teaching. So, you know, me, you know, usually the leader is like the one that's up in the front, like listen to me. You know, I'm in the back and I'm just letting them teach now and they're doing things. I'll correct every, you know, things now and then. But, you know, I think that's what it really comes down to is just, you know, letting the youngins, you know, get their timing. Right. You know, step in front of a whole classroom when the pressure's on them and and see what they can can do. Do you, know, you sometimes feel like you have to step in, though? Definitely, yeah. There's definitely yeah. times where you got to step in. I mean, these are 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids that just came out of high school, you know? Right. So they're not um, thinking the same way that me at 23 years old I'm thinking. And, yeah. you know, they're maybe not used to the, the type of workload that comes with it, too. So there's times where you have to come in and kind of, you know, give a dude a pat on the shoulder or pull him aside during the workout and be like, you know, I get what's going on, have them talk things out. Really, that's it, too, is listening to them most of the time, too. Like, um, 
you know, especially guys that are coming from out of state, there's guys that I've heard struggles I've never even heard of. You don't even see movies and you're like, holy crap, like you're struggling with things like this and you're coming to work out today. Like, so that's kind of something that I do where I'll kind of intervene and come in and, you know, talk to other players like, hey, look, this dude is is going through this right now. Not giving details, obviously, but, you know, looking out for the dude. That's yeah. really when I, I step in. And that's a big thing because a lot of you, you deal with the guys that have walked through different walks of life like they you don't know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times you, my counsel has always been, you know, to my own son that you don't know what people are going through, man. You know, regardless of how angry or whatever you're going through, you know, that's, you're a team. And in, in, in the end of the day, that's who you are. You're a team. And so that's great counsel because that's what a great leader does is being able to adjust and being able to uh, relate to different people, even though you haven't gone through those different things. But I think with the listening ear, that was the key to me, which what you said is, is being able to listen. And that's something that Strong needs to work on. Can I add to that? Because yeah. my first four years at BYU with Kalani, I was the director of athletic relations, which really was, I was the academic liaison. I was the honor code liaison. I was the housing liaison. I was also the NFL liaison. So I was a lot of different things, wore a lot of different hats. Parking lot liaison. Parking lot liaison. Yeah. Go get the snacks liaison guy. Um, Can I get a shirt so, liaison? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what so size is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sneak in the back day, liaison. Um, but anyways, it was a, uh, you know, I was I grew up in a in a very strict home. I was coaching. I was very disciplinarian, especially with my coach. I was really into details. Chaz can tell you, you know, I, there was a time in his life where I was banned from coaching him for my wife. <laughs> And I told I could see that you know because I was coaching at Snow College I was coaching at Utah and then I come to here and see him and I'm trying to project to him like no son this is what you do and he's nine years old you know and I'm coaching him hard and it got to a point where the game wasn't fun for you right like like, Joe's like sucks can you just be his dad yeah can you just be his dad I couldn't even (laughs) like sit next to my wife I couldn't I wasn't allowed to like stare at my son (laughs) and give the eyeballs you know not even that it wasn't fun but I was just thinking so much he was overthinking because he was trying to please me right and so the game wasn't fun he was trying to satisfy dad and what dad wanted and it was a lot of pressure for a young man I remember him one time he rolled his ankle at a game remember son and at a basketball game rolled his ankle and he's you know rolling on the ground and I'm yelling from the stand like get up like get up don't ever let your opponent see you hurting rolling around like that don't ever hurt your ankle yeah walk out (laughs) you know and so I've had to take a step back and and change, but the old, like I said before, the command style of coaching, teaching, parenting, where you're a dictator, is not as effective when we were kids. We were we were taught blind obedience. Mom talks, shut your mouth. Dad talks, go do it. Don't I don't need to hear no your questions. opinion. There's no questions, and you're gonna go do it right now. I don't, you know, I don't care what you're doing. You're gonna listen and do that. That style for this generation is a different generation. It's not as effective. They need to understand why. Why am I doing this? How come I'm doing this? So if you can't explain the why, then you're going to have a hard time being a leader or a teacher or a coach or an administrator even as a parent. So now what is the why? Now is the why. So with the kids, like before, I um, I would be class checking them. So I go up to their school and I class check. And, you know, at BYU, you don't want to be a big distraction um, 
to the professor and be disrespectful to the professor. So I would tell all the kids, hey, all the players, be right in the front, wherever the front door is, be close to the door. So when I peek it open, I want to see you right there. If I don't see you, I'm going to call you. And if you don't respond within the next 30 seconds, I'm going to mark you absent. I'm going to tell your coach, and then you're going to run in the morning and do some type of discipline. So if they're not there. If they're not there, right? And so if I don't see you, you can say that you're there. If I don't see you, you're not there. Right. And so I would tell these kids, so I'd open the door. They're not there. I text them. Where are you? I'm here. I'm here, coach. I don't see you. I'm in the back. I didn't tell you to go to the back. I told you to be right in the front. Some of these classrooms at BYU, they have a back door. So I go into the back and I go look at them and they're in the back, hoodie on, glasses on, (laughs) speakers on, not even paying attention. And I'm yelling at them, mouthing outside the door, what the heck are you doing? Like, I told you, take your helmet off. You're being so disrespectful. Right. You know, and so it's like, you're going to run. That's it. You're going to come back. We're going to punish. I'm going to tell your coach. I'm going to tell your head coach. You're going to get it. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And after time, you would think after the first time that they would, okay, next day, go to check class, same thing. Next day, go check class, same thing. I'm like, what the heck? So I remember dressing down a couple of these players and asking them, what are you doing? Disrespectful. So now you're disrespecting me because I told you to be in the close. I was thinking it very personal. They came and said, Coach, Coach Jay, I'm telling you, I'm paying attention. My headphones are not even on. The reason why I put my glasses on, my hoodie on, and I'm sitting on the back, I am scared to death that the teacher is going to call on me to answer a question. Yeah. And I'm terrified of that. I don't want that. You know, and it made me take a step back and say, holy crap. Yeah. I never Anxiety. even thought about that. Berating them, but they, there was something going on. There was on. something going on, right? Yeah. And so and that was just with right? everything, right? And so it's easy, you know, now in, in academics, it's easy to check and see how I can pull all their grades. I can pull what assignments they missed. I can see what grades they got on those assignments. It's very easy to say, okay, he got three Fs. That must mean he's not dedicating his time and he's probably playing video games or doing something stupid, you know, and then try to punish the kid not knowing at all the why. And so my role right now as the assistant athletic director for academics, I oversee all the football, is to not react at the what, ask the why. Right. What's going on in their life? What's happening at home? What's going on with their mental health? What's going on? Are they battling with an injury? Are they trying to get playing time? The coach kind of ripped on them. You know, all that stuff affects academics. Are they doing something in their life that's probably against their teachings or how they were raised and which is causing conflict and it's affecting academics and so and Jay BYU is hard BYU is tough <laughs> to get, to get a degree at BYU <laughs> it's like so you just named yeah. all those things right all but those, it's in audition that you know the average ACT score from a <laughs> from an incoming freshman this year was 29.5 Oh ACT God. what 385 GPA so you're walking to a yeah we would have never got in I know I wouldn't have got in back in the day. Like the the level is so high, and you're you're walking with hard, valedictorians man. and straight A people that are crying that they got a A minus, and we're looking like we're just trying to survive and yeah. be eligible. Exactly, right? especially as athletes too, where you're competitive. You're like you're stepping into a classroom where you, there's no you know for a fact you're not going to compete with that top dude. 
and the teachers, like the stigma that football players have created at BYU in the past, like I've probably helped that stigma, but oh no, you can't judge. You can't judge, bro. Just say it. You can't judge. They're just like, man, he's a burden to us, you know. And so that's kind of how it's seen. And so you're like emailing teachers, and they're kind of just like, okay, well, come to my class, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get hurt at practice, you're getting an MRI, and you miss that meeting, and then you know, just. Yeah, and they got, they, they, they got no, they, they got no compassion over that. But mm. you should talk to your Fijian uncle over there. He gives uh, macadamia nuts and stuff like that. <laughs> well, those won't even th- work. Th- those no don't more. work no more. Oh, uh, those don't work. Trust me, we use them, but they've seen every trick. But that's what I'm saying. We got to take a step back and ask why. Mm-hmm. What is going on in their life that's affecting that? And we have to count it. That's why the belonging, cultural issues. If you're a member of the church, if you're not a member of the church, all that stuff factors, man. You break up with your girlfriend, whatever. You know, family, someone dies, someone's getting sick at home. Return missionary, stuff, getting acclimating, acclimating, coming but it, back. But all that simple, stuff matters, man. But as simple as, I don't have no money this month. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh-huh. I'm sad. I'm like, I don't know like, where it's coming up. I'm pay my rent. I'm right. yeah. have electricity bill. I got to do this. How am I going to get food? All that stuff. Because then my family doesn't have the money to help me. You know, so a lot of That's people, they don't understand that they because understand it, it. It, it, they come from uh, that environment, which leads us to the next, our, our next subject, which is the kids. We always talk about physical health. We talk about spiritual health. But again, our subject is always leads it back to mental health because mm-hmm. a lot of the, us parents that... You know, Jay's older than I am, but uh, a lot of us parents. I like nine months. You, you, Strons is older than me too. So, <laughs> but as we, as we in our generation, if I told my dad again, uh, you know what, I have ADHD, or <laughs> like he's like, oh yeah, go run around the yard a few times and then run that off. <laughs> go you move along, get that yeah. energy out. Yeah. So to them, they they don't understand that. Now we're in an age where if a kid comes to you, we've seen the we've seen the drastic, you know, what could happen. We've seen it. We we've uh, heard about it. You know, with people that are close to us that have taken their lives. You know, and so now as parents, we have to take a step back. Like, wait a minute, how come we didn't? take the time to listen to our kids why didn't we find out who what the why is mm-hmm. and so as parents and i'm grateful that byu they got fully with with that that app that he's got mm-hmm. going on and you know and i have a son that doesn't speak a lot so that worries me a lot mm-hmm. so when i have to see his activities on tiktok that doesn't make me happy you know i'm like oh so you're up at five in the morning <clears throat> okay so my question is as an administrator now and as a staff, because it starts from the top, what kind of stuff are we implementing at BYU to help not only just football players, but students? You know, when, I mean, are there signs that you look for? I mean, are they, you know, and Chaz can speak on this too, because the players, a lot of times they don't open up to just anybody, you know? And that's why I said players have people in their little circle, yes. you know, that they, they talk to and they, it never comes to the parents sometimes, you yeah. know? So as a for parent, sure. that's scary for me because well, it shows like it's a sign of weakness when guys talk about yeah. it and it's not, especially right? in our culture, it's our culture, stigma, especially with Polynesia. Yeah. yeah, yeah our yeah. culture, they, they sweep it under the rug. They right. don't want to talk about they it. They're like, ah, shut up and suck it up. Yeah. You know, you know, and I mean, like, just, yeah, we call it out, right? Like, Hey, you're, you know, being stupid, being dumb or, you know, and so, there's been a, there's been a lot, and I've actually learned a lot from my son. I actually actually conversed with him and asked, okay, I have players, how's best to address this type of issue? Because I'm still learning as well. Mm-hmm. What I found and what I've realized is that my role as the academic advisor 
is more than that. My role is an advocate. They need to feel safe that they can come talk to me. They may not feel safe with a coach, which is very understandable. They're battling for playing time. But I challenge you guys with the app, the Theta Core app that me and Fui are, are really pushing hard. What is um, that called, Jay? It's called Theta Core. It's a free app on on um, on, on the App Store. It's a phone. It's a couple of BYU guys. Fui Wakapuna, right? And Fui, yeah, Fui's been and, and they instrumental. Have, and they have some high school guys that are trying to implement that too, right? The military is implementing it, and it's, it's an incredible app because I don't think you necessarily always have to go to a therapist. Gotcha. Right? And that's our mind that we have mental. We need to go to a counselor or go see a therapist. I think sometimes... Like, I, I ain't even to, trying to go to my bishop, like, right now. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> not trying to... Well, well, and you should. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but what I'm saying is... Shout out to Bishop Sometimes Farewell. you just need to vent. You need to be able to mm-hmm. share right. your thoughts. And, and, and not get any response. Get I just want to just unload just and unload. jam. Right? I mean, what do you think, son, with that? Or my wrong in that type of thinking? Yeah. No, therapy is... It's, I think therapy is kind of... Uh, I think now, even from a year ago to two years ago, I think therapy is kind of... Um, it's kind of caught traction, but I think back then it was kind of being overhyped to where it's like, you need to see therapists every day, every week, um, you know, which I think at times is needed, but I think more so people are just looking to be heard and feel like people are understanding without being judged. Mm. And, you know, as a, I mean, as a Polynesian um, and as an athlete, you know, you never want to be judged as weak or anything like that. So you don't open up to anybody, not even your therapist. Or as a man, you don't want to come out like that. Well, the worst thing you could ever say to someone is you're soft. Yeah. Right. right? And I used to say that all the time, oh, you're being soft. You're mentally soft. Or even, even Jay, I need help. Yeah, right. Simple as right. You would never walk in and go, I need help. Right. Right. I mean, I wouldn't. No. Yeah. I, it's because it's the pride. Yeah, it's I mean, pride. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? Pride is the biggest thing. That was the that was the number one thing that I learned is it was so embarrassing for me just to talk right. about my yeah. feelings. And I'm yeah. like, why should I be embarrassed to express mm-hmm. how I'm feeling? You know, it shouldn't be shouldn't be that way. And I think I've learned over the years that, you know, it's okay to do that. Um, and I wouldn't even say that that was like necessarily how I was brought up. But it was just like every man in general is going to be thinking automatically, how can you be more masculine than right. a man next, next to you? Right. You know, how can I have an advantage against my opponent? And, you know, that's just kind of what we've trained into our minds is, you know, don't show any weakness. Don't let them know that you have any emotion. And that's how you're able to. You're a you know, machine. You're a machine. You do whatever you want, when you want. And it doesn't matter what it takes, you're going to do it. Because even for me. I, I couldn't see myself apologizing to nobody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To say I'm sorry. And that was a huge thing for me, too, to have to tell somebody, especially my own kids, because parents aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm thinking, doesn't matter what I say, that's what you do. You know what I mean? And the, the generation now is that we need to be more open to what they they want to talk about. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of pressures. Parents put a lot of pressure in what their vision they want what's best for your children right mm-hmm. and so you living a life already and having a lot more experience than your children you've already been through the pitfalls and made the mistakes and you don't want your children to make those mistakes mm-hmm. right and you're like look you're so close you have all this talent just listen to me do this don't do that don't go out stay here do this you know and yeah. and when they make a mistake it's not like Oh, how are you doing? You okay, son? It was like, I can't believe it. you just you're jeopardizing this opportunity. Now people are going to look at you differently. You know, when we was trying to get recruited or when he was getting offers, everything was based on perception of what the coach, you know, what Chaz was. You know, he's an Eagles guy. He does all this. He plays great. 
straight A student, all that stuff. And you're building this resume for him. And as a parent, you're like, okay, good. You're on track. You're doing ever the right things. Any little mistake, you're like, what are you doing? You're ruining your whole future, right? right? Because we want what's best for our children. I, I think that's okay. But is that what's best for? Yeah, because inside, you, he's suffering. Inside, he's suffering because you Maybe, built this. I'm just saying, you know, he's, he's not yeah, suffering, but I, like, that's not what I really want to do or yeah, I didn't want to do that. You, you know what I mean? Well, one of the things I, I remember my brother, CJ, who was very, very talented, right? And he's got... He's 6'5", he's 270, he can run, he's aggressive, he has great get-off. Like, he had it all. He had the whole package. And I remember when he got drafted by the Bills, I went to all his games. I went to every game. I went to games at Oklahoma. I went to games at BYU. I went to games at Snow College. I went went to all high school games, Lone Peak games. I filmed as many. So you were LeVar Ball. Yes, I was LeVar. (laughs) I was LeVar for my dad and for me. (laughs) And, um, yes, did I jump over the fence and go talk to the coach when they – Took him out. Yes, I did. That was me. (laughs) (laughs) But I saw him, and I remember going to his very first preseason game at Buffalo. And my mom and dad, we flew out there to go watch him play. And I just was, we were sitting 20 rows up, and I was just watching. I was so proud of him. Like, I can't believe you're wearing an NFL thing. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking, man, what would I do? And I was watching his body language. I did not like his body language at all. I thought that he wasn't in tune. I saw the other players and they're they're high fiving and rah rah. CJ's never been the rah rah guy. And I'm looking at him and I'm texting him. I'm texting him as if he had his his phone phone on his shoulder pads. And I'm like, way to get in fine. You're gonna get in fine. And I didn't understand. I'm like, you look like you belong on the bench. Like, yeah, that's what you deserve. You don't even look. Get in tune. Get involved. Like, show some excitement. Like, this is a blessing. You made it to the league, and your that behavior. No wonder the coach don't play you. I didn't know that they had a twenty million dollar defensive end and an eighteen million dollar guy, and, and it's a he business. Just, and those guys are gonna get their reps. Mm-hmm. And he's an incoming. I mean, he's a rookie right. seventh round draft pick, and he's gonna get his reps in the fourth quarter. Right. That's just how the first preseason game. I had no idea. So after the game, I'm sitting outside waiting for him to come out of the locker room. And he says hi to my mom, dad, give them a hug, give him a kiss. He looks at me and he's like, what was all those text messages? <laughs> and yeah. I'm already older brother, like, well, yeah, you see what I wrote? That's yeah. what I meant. That's what you, you know, like, you didn't look like you belonged. You didn't want, like, you didn't want to be there. Mm. And he's like, Jay, come here. So I said, you know, CJ's 10 years younger than me. Right. And you're like, Jay, come here. And I went over there and said, I don't love the game. Exactly. He told me this story too. <laughs> I don't love the game like you and Maddie. Mm. I'm just really good at it. Mm. You know That's huge. I mean? And I don't do the stuff that you guys do. I'm just really good. I recognize that I'm really good at it. And that took me <laughs> back. And I'm thinking to myself, did I ruin that for him? Does, mm-hmm. does he not love the game because of me? You know, as a big older brother yeah. trying to tell him and dictate and teach him the right way and and, and that got me like am I ruining it for my son mm-hmm. is that not right. fun and yeah. your intentions are good like my intentions I want you to succeed and you have this talent son and I know you can make it and blah 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 and, you know and we get one tracked and pretty soon it's your life that you're living it's not his life right? and you're like don't do that son because that's not what I would do you know and thinking that you know and anyways that's I just remember that it's like I don't love the game like because you your passion game. may not be the same passion as your be. as your as your son or your your brother and sometimes you can't read that as a, 
as a as a dad, you know, or when your son's talking about because he talks about it to him. His life is football, but I don't want him to identify himself as you're just a football player. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's a huge statement. And I, I remember when CJ, uh, you know, shared that story because it pretty much tells you that, look, I'm my own person. You know, I'm a person that's going to understand that my role in life leads through this, mm-hmm. not encompasses this. You know what I mean? Like my life is not about this all the time because I, I move on. And now CJ is over coaching at Texas Tech. Well, that's you know, what I'm saying. And you're you know, looking at it and you're like, you think that this is the path. And he had a different path. Right. At BYU, Oklahoma, NFL, blah, blah, blah. But you look at him now, incredible father mm. with his daughters. Incredible uh, husband with his wife. Very devoted, very loyal, very committed to his family. You know what I mean? At mm. the end of the day, that's what's most important. He provides for his family. He sacrifices at Texas Tech. He's gone through those different things, and that's what you want. Yeah. It wasn't the way you thought it should go. Right. But he got there. He still won't share his drink with you because he's a germaphobe. Yeah, he but a anyways. Germaphobe. <laughs> <laughs> As we're rolling along, that, that's a great it's a great story because CJ, he, he, he uh, embodies that whole, uh, you know, I'm going to take this route and it's the route, it's the road less traveled, but I'm going to make it, exactly. you know, and, and whether he loved it like somebody else, it didn't matter. He was going to make it. Well, the crazy thing like yeah. Chaz is, I call Chaz, how many times I mistake you and call you Siege, you know, because they're so alike, their personalities, the way they think. And as a matter of fact, Chaz, CJ has been a great mentor for Chaz and they have a special relationship that they talk and they see because CJ recognizes and sees a lot of himself in Chaz, mm. you know, and I'm so grateful for my, both my brothers, Maddie and CJ, have been huge mentors for Chaz and helping him go through things, being a college athlete, you know, how to train and deal with injuries. Both of them had major injuries. You know, CJ, Maddie had to retire from football because of injuries. You know, CJ had three ACL surgeries, mm. you know, and still got drafted into the league and still made it, you know, and played a successful career. So they've been incredible examples for all their nephews but in particular for Chaz what do you think so yeah yeah they've looked out for me a lot I've had a phone call you know <laughs> Uncle CJ gets intense with me too though he he gets mad at me when I screw up and stuff and I had a call with him about a month ago and he him and my Uncle Matt were both on it and kind of just set me straight um, had to put me back in check a little bit um, you know and you know that's what I'm thankful for that you know and I definitely do see a lot of myself in my Uncle CJ is like you know, the story of him, you know, that, that story right there where he's like, you know, I don't love the game like that. You know, luckily for me, I do love the game of football. And so a lot of my, I mean, really my whole life, you know, the way that my dad has coached me throughout football has been the way that I needed it. And it wasn't like it was too much for me or anything um, because my visions and my goals were the same thing. So, you know, I, you know, I needed that, that kind of constructive criticism and all of that, that I needed. But, um, you know, I think where I kind of relate in that story is that I kind of identified as a football player more than I identified as anything else, you know, as right. a, you know, really anything. I was a football player before I was anything else. Um, and I think that's what really messed with my love for the game at, at times is because when I wasn't playing good, if I wasn't on the field, you know, that was, that was my whole life right there, you know. So, you know, it's just that's just kind of the way that my uncle CJ has looked out for me in that way. It's telling me like, dude, you got to look out for yourself and be, you know, it's true to who you are. It doesn't matter how it is or what it is that you do, but do you got to look best. out. Yeah. Well, you got to, you got to look out for yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Now tell me in the locker room, now that you've gone through all these different things in life and experienced all these different, do you, are you able to detect certain things from certain players? Like if you feel like they're struggling, you feel like, you know, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you able to like see uh, players that are struggling and then how you could help? Like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of always been something that I've done. Um, since I was a young kid, I kind of always just for some reason, I felt like I could always point out the kid that, you know, needed a little extra love at that time, you know, um, you know, no matter what situation it was, whether it was in the classroom, you know, for a little kid, I would always hang out with, you know, at recess, I would get the kid that wasn't that popular, you know, I'd put right. him in the spotlight, you know, playing games with us, put him on the good team. You know, that was kind of always who I was. And so, you know, as I've grown and matured in, you know, in my career here at BYU, I definitely think that I'm more aware of it now, almost hyper aware where, you know, I might be overthinking it sometimes, like looking at somebody doing something and, um, you know, kind of reacting to it. So I'll go and talk to them and, you know, check up on dudes. But I think really for me, I kind of seen where my role is on the team. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that like to speak up and be heard by the team. You know, that's not my, it's not my style. I know they don't need another guy chirping at them. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where it comes, where I just look out for the guys on the team. And, you know, you see it in a lot of different ways. I've had a lot of guys actually just reach out to me and just ask me like what, you know, I do to, you know, help out with my mental side of the game and um, how I stay sharp, you know, where I don't really, you know, so what is your routine? my emotions get to me. What is your routine to stay, to get mentally ready for a game? Like, is it in your playlist? Is it, you're like, you eat a certain food, you know, what is it? Like, because the reason why I ask that is a lot of, a lot of players, they hide behind some of the things that they see. And, I, and I'm just speaking in general. I'm not speaking specifically as somebody else. And the reason why I ask this is because a lot of players will come in and talk to us about stuff, and then they don't want to talk about it on air because they feel like showing weakness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So my question to you is how do you prepare mentally, even for the day, not just for a game, because – You've already had a few years. You're mature enough to know that you don't need no preparation or whatever. But CJ was one of the persons that told Kingsley, this is what I did to prepare for each game. And that pre-workout is still what he used even in high school. And it was the little things, getting there a little bit early, you know, warming up, getting a good sweat, you know, and getting your mind right. Pick a playlist that is something that you feel familiar with. Kingsley listens to 90s music. I don't know why he listens to that, but... Because you, he just listens to what you listen to. Yeah, I mean, whatever, you know. So talk to nah, us yeah. about that, you know. Definitely. I mean, for me, all growing up, I felt like I needed to be perfect in everything I did, and that would always throw me off. If I did one thing different um, in my pregame ritual in high school, it showed in the game. I would play mm-hmm. terrible. And it would be the smallest thing, like, uh, you know, I had, like, a pair of socks that I would wear. And if I didn't have that pair of socks, then I feel like I'm playing terrible superstitious. <laughs> and, you know, if I didn't show up to my to my classes that day in high school, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm cheating life, so the game is going to cheat me. You know, things like that. So I was – and I, I don't know what changed in college, but in high school I was on top of everything. Like, I would do everything perfectly. And, you know, what I've kind of learned to do now is just to do things, like you said, that you're familiar with, like a playlist that you're familiar with. Um and I do have a game ritual where the night before the game, you know, I'm not doing anything stupid. You know, a lot of people, you hear all these things about teams that travel the nation. They're out doing dumb things. You know, that's 
I think our team is actually really good at not doing that. I think our team is bought into that. But for me, that's something that's, you know, very specific to me is I like to be in the hotel, being in a place that I know I should be. Because if I'm not, then I feel like I'm cheating myself. Chaz, you know why BYU doesn't do anything stupid when they go, like, out of town? Because most of them are married. <laughs> and they got, they got their wives texted. Where are you? Send me a picture. That's my next question. You got guys getting married all the time on the team. Pini Katoa just got engaged. Shout out to Pini. So how was it being in the locker room, man, with a lot of married guys and guys getting engaged, man? Do you feel pressure? I don't feel any pressure, man. Okay, so, good. A lot of us, like, I would say a year ago, a lot of us looked at the married man, especially Jaron Hall. We talked to Jaron Hall. We're like, dude, like uh-huh. when Zach Wilson was at BYU, that dude was, you know, there in the morning and then he'd be there till 10 at night watching film. That's a different breed right there. Different man. breed, Zach. you know. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like he didn't have that commitment of right. having to be home. Right, you know? right. And so to us, we're like, dude, like as a quarterback, like what are you thinking having a kid now? Like he just had that kid before. How old is it? Like almost two years now. And then some of us in the locker room were like, dude, I don't know what he's doing, man. Like, he's a quarterback. You just got to act different as a quarterback. Look at Zach. Look what he did. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I can, he was like, we talked to him about it. He's like, bro, if anything, that's giving me the more motivation than anything else. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. To make it. He's like, you know, I got a daughter now. I got a wife that is depending on me. Different type of motivation. And she's buying into my dream with me. So his, mm. you know, a lot of the times in college, the wife is the breadwinner until they graduate, you know? So he's like, well, I'm having her work all these hours and I'm not going to make it. Like, I can't have that happen. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being in the in the room with married men, it kind of changes your perspective. You hear a lot of things that you're kind of like, nah, that's whatever. I'm I'm never getting married. I don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, I just need to focus on football, eat, breathe, sleep it, eat, breathe, and sleep it. You know, now, like, after four years of being in college, my mindset has kind of shifted. And, like, you know, you need someone that can hold you down. Yeah. That's kind of been the, the married influence on me. Well, it's a different demographic, right, compared mm-hmm. to all the other teams, college teams. And I think it's a great demographic, to be honest with you, because you have a lot of good married guys in that locker room and the good examples that you can look to, um, not only like players, but even the coaches. Um, one thing that, man, I'm going to be straight up, man. You know, you were born a goodly parents, bro. Your parents are awesome. So my little parting words to you Chaz is basically even if football doesn't work out whatever you do in life the one thing that you have is your parents your mom and dad they're some great people especially your mom <laughs> no, that and, is and I sure. totally agree I totally agree you know, with that so because what, if you're looking for somebody to hold you down until you get married mm-hmm. your parents can hold you down yep. you know so I mean if you're talking about the opportunity to play football anywhere because you really could. You really could have went anywhere. But an opportunity to play at home, that was something that we overlooked. And we not devalued. Yeah, yeah, we devalued that. We yeah, thought you that did. Because I was telling you BYU. <laughs> yeah, he did, he did, he did. But yeah. full circle, to see a, a kid like how he is now is, is, is crazy. You know, because I didn't see that. I thought... He's going to get in. But things don't work out. The Lord had different plans for everybody. And your your dad said it was divine design. So for an opportunity for a player like yourself to be in a locker room with all these married guys, that's a demographic you don't see at any school. And so you're able to see, I could be that. You know, I could do that. Actually, we just saw the ESPN 300 uh, mock draft for 2023 yeah. and Jaron's ranked. Nine. Nine. Mm-hmm. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know? So Zach, of course, was two, but 
Returned missionary, married kid. But and yeah. to be number nine, that's not something to sneeze right. at. You know, that's you not know? something to sneeze at at all. Like I said, I mean, everyone's chasing the NIL, but I'm telling you, the real currency is relationships oh, and yeah. connectivity, right? And so you can chase it, and I get it. I totally, totally get it. Of course, if someone's going to offer, I'm going to take it. But it only go the real lasting currency in life is relationships. And that's and something too that's been la- that was lacking at BYU because we're not going to say any names, but uh, past uh, coaching staff, they didn't have a lot of alumni back, mm-hmm. you know. And I just saw something they had Jim McMahon come back, you know. Ty Demmer, he's always been around, but Jim McMahon. I never thought in a million years I would have him back. And and it's a legacy that the locker room now is going to carry on to the next one. And the, the, the friends that you make will be those friends forever, you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that that's huge. But obviously the, the ultimate goal for most people, and I, and I think I saw Kalani, I heard Kalani say something like, if I was to ask all my guys in this room uh, by the raise of hand who wants to play in the NFL, he said, everybody will raise their hand. Because that's your ultimate goal. But if you can take a lot of extra stuff with you, positive things, mm-hmm. you know, to help you be a better father, be a brother, better brother, you know, it, it only helps you in the long run. And so an opportunity that we have to be able to have Chaz on and, and get his input and have Jason on because – a lot of people don't know the inner workings of that stuff because they just see the titles, mm-hmm. but they don't see the relationships. Mm-hmm. And I, I've firsthand seen uh, Jay talk to these because he has an open door policy and it always upsets me that he doesn't tell me what's going on with him and with my son. And I'm like, what did he talk about? <laughs> you know, and I ask him, but that's private between him and his it uncle. don't matter. It don't matter. Well, and we, that's the thing. That, that's a, I take that responsibility very <laughs> seriously. And I think a lot of our staff. And it's right. got heat in. Me and you, we've we've got heated yeah. a few times, and there have been some disgruntled words and stuff. But Jay didn't fold, which still upsets me <laughs> because I've known you longer. Never. But anyways, yeah. I I appreciate that. Now that now that our relationship has grown with me and my son, I appreciate that because then it has somebody that he can trust, somebody mm-hmm. that he can go in there and talk to, and. You know, I really want to know what's going on. Maybe we'll do it off the air. <laughs> Leroy, it's okay to be wrong okay. and admit it sometimes. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> so anyways. <laughs> well, like I said, there's, there's there's only a few individuals that you would trust your kids with. Right. Right. And, and that was something that he didn't have. I mean, Oregon was great. I cannot talk bad about the, yeah. the, the no, coaching sure. staff there. But on top of that, he didn't feel comfortable. You know, and so whenever I would visit... He would be like, and I would see in his countenance and the things that he was doing didn't feel right as a dad. And nobody knows your kids better than the parent. I don't care what the girlfriend says. I don't care what the girlfriend's mom says. Nobody knows you better than your parents. Because when it comes right down to it, when you're sitting down face to face with your son, (laughs) there's stuff like you can see. uh, I saw that twitch in your mouth. What's going on? (laughs) You you know, you said their whole life. You're blinking. You're blinking too much. You look like cousin Smokey because he's on this. He's he's on this stuff right now. Smokey, smoke. Leave cousin Smoke alone. Stop swearing on our on our Facebook life. Anyways, (laughs) the opportunity to have a kid in an environment that he feels comfortable and safe 
is the most important thing. And we see a lot of these kids that they're committing to all these different schools. Hey, BYU may not be what it is for you. You may not get a big NIL deal and stuff like that, but your mansions are built in heaven. But anyways, <laughs> as you're you're rolling along, what is important to the parent? What's important to the kid? For sure. Because all the kid is thinking, oh, the gear, the facilities, you know, they're thinking that. But when they come and it's a maturity like you have 18, 19 year olds. Kinsey's 19. He's still immature, but he understand now the importance of a family base, a support system that actually he can trust. And so that's my five cents. No, I think that's great, Leroy. And I think that's what we try to do at BYU. And like I said, like you said, he hit it right out the, right out the bat, right out the field. It, was, it may not be for everybody, but I do take that responsibility that a parent is trusting me with their child. And I know our coaches take that responsibility, our whole, our training room, our weight room, that we're an extension of the parents. And we take, I take that very, because I, what I want from my son, I'm hoping that down the line, someone will do that for him, what I'm doing for others, right? As a father from one yep. father to the next father and to take care of them. And not, I don't care what they do on the field. Whatever. I know they're going to be successful. I know they're going to be great. Um, but but it's what they football, do. All, exactly. Yeah, like Chaz kind of mentioned, like your whole, these poor kids, their whole identity is football. So if they don't get the playing time and they can't control that, that's really up to the coach. You can have the greatest practices ever and dominate, but it's up to the coach and that game plan. And, what and I will jump do. over the fence and come over there and fuss you. <laughs> <the coach. laughs> but, but you know what I mean? But yeah. it's out of their control. But sometimes us, we, what do our parents, what do we say to the kids when they're not playing? Why aren't you playing? Mm -hmm. Why happened? What you do in practice? Yeah. Why didn't you play? You should have had more games. You should have more reps. You should be the one starting. You should be the, the, and so you're not even thinking about their feelings. You're thinking about how come we're not playing? How can we, and that's, that becomes their whole identity, right? And so their whole identity is based on playing time, which is out of their control. So really mental health is control what you can control. Right. And just be, you know, you may, life isn't fair. It's just not. And you're going to be mistreated and you're going to be judged wrong. You're going to be all these things, right? But you got to be able to move on. And But you have to be able to open up and talk to someone right. that you trust, right? And, open and, and honestly. And be because open and honest. yeah. and it's hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. As men, it's hard to be vulnerable. To say I'm sorry to my wife, yeah, yeah, I screwed that up, right? Um, to be vulnerable to with each other, you know, we always it's innate in us to try to front. We're mm -hmm. gonna front with our friends. We're gonna front in front of our children. We're gonna front. It's just how we do, right. you know, on the basketball court when you're playing around. You're gonna front already, automatic, you know. And so it's very hard for us to be vulnerable, to open and show that we do have weakness. That's why we mix with Kisa Kava. Shout out to Kisa Kava. Oh, Kisa. sorry. Shout out to Kisa. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So, you know, just 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 to throw that out there, that's why we we mix Kisakawa so we can be vulnerable and tell each other that we no, are But Jay, I think it's important. All those all those things you said is you know, and also, are they happy? Are they happy? Right. At that's it. Not even on the field, Chaz. Like whatever you do on the field, you do on the field. But are you happy? And if they even if they say yes. Are you really? I like. How do yeah. you follow up with that? You, because you knew the commitment pattern growing, uh, going down a mission. Like, oh, did you go on a mission? Oh, oh. oh. so you know what is what is your follow up? Judge you know, <laughs> I'm just saying. No, are you happy and with life? Like, not even about football. Like, talk about 
after the fi- off the field well, stuff. I, I think Kalina does you know? a great job with win or lose. When you go out to beat your family, they should not know whether you won or lost. Right. Like, and our parents, we need to do better at that too. Family need to do better at that too. This is a young man that poured it. He's, you think he's trying to lose? Like he's trying to miss that block, right. trying to miss that tackle. They're not, you know. But we put a lot of pressure on him. And like I said, it, it, at the end of the day, some things don't matter. Just like going to church. Right? Does it matter if they wear jeans? No. As long as you come. As long as you walk through that door. Right. Does it matter that you're not in the foyer, but you're out in the lobby? It don't matter. Yeah. The vicinity. You're in the vicinity. You're close by. Remember Ooh, that. When wow. you just, Does it you matter know? if you're smoking on the sidewalk and just walk into church and have wow. sit down? Wow. Right. This, this it doesn't is, matter. This sounds like a lot of personal history oh, no. stuff. I, wow. It doesn't matter, guys. <laughs> You're in church. Because one day. Good thing we don't have our YouTube channel up right now. You'll be able to see what's going on. <laughs> well, anyways. Yeah. Good thing we didn't have social media back in the day. <laughs> oh. Yo, that's another. That's another podcast, podcast, another podcast, podcast Jay. Because <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good story. Because our kids got to understand that their parents aren't perfect. We aren't perfect. But I always tell my kids the famous one that I'm not perfect. Perfect, but I'm perfect for you. So any any experiences that you may have from this point on as we are talking, let's grow from it. Let's not move backwards. So uh, my kids, they don't listen to this podcast, so I can say whatever I want. Even when I teach my class, because I do have a calling at church, I always use them as an example because that's realistic stuff. When I when I share something, I see your, your cousin like cringy. She's like, I can't believe you just shared that. <laughs> but, but that's... That's me. And so as a kid growing up, my experience with my dad, he didn't talk to us about nothing, you know, nothing. And I love my dad and everything, you know, but we, he, they taught through example. So if I saw him go to church, I figured that was right. Cause if it was important to them, it should mm-hmm. be important to us. That doesn't work nowadays. You know, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of dialogue that has to happen before you say, Hey, we're going to go to church. Are you going to church? And then they're like, I see the eyes rolling. So I don't jump up and kick somebody in the, you know, so I'm like, okay, hopefully I pray that we see you guys at church. And then you bite your tongue and then you leave. And then you, hopefully they're, they're there, you know? And then I will call the uncle, did he show up at your ward? You know, so there's a lot of things that because as a parent, you're like, man, those are those are free blessings that you're you're missing out of just to show up. You well, know, I think as parents, we try our best because we went through those to not have your children go through the same mistakes. But at the same time, we forgot that we went through those mistakes. Yeah. Right. And so it was like we, we did it. Oh, right. We went through those things and we kind of try to forget like, honey. I didn't go to church for a year and a half. Is my mom and dad on this? Hope they're not on this. Hi, Auntie, <laughs> Auntie and Uncle. That wasn't me. That was uh, that was hey, Leroy. Hey, that said that. hey, repentance is a beautiful but you thing. Know, you know what I'm saying? Like you forget that because mm-hmm. you don't want them to go through it. But I was a kid too. I made stupid mistakes, and being able to share that with my children, with my son, my daughter, like it's okay. Like, we'll get through it. Yeah, I wish he didn't make that decision because now we've got to go through this step and this step and this step. But I went through that too. Yeah, it's okay. Right? And it's okay. And I'm yeah. so grateful for like, Chaz tells, has a great relationship with Joanne, with my wife. And they talk about a lot of things, probably more so than he can talk with me, which I'm grateful for. And I told my wife, I don't care. Like, as long as he's talking to you. As long as he has someone to talk to. 100% that he can talk. And sometimes I'm like, I've told Chaz, like, you have to say all that to mom? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, sometimes I have to tell him, like, dang, I should have. <laughs> 
Because you can't take it back. You shared all that. You don't. I had to tell my son. I'm like, you don't have to share everything. You just know what mom. But nah, I'm just. It's such a beautiful thing, and that's priceless. And I and I'm so grateful that Jazz is very open. My daughters very open, and it's hard to have that relationship where they can trust. Right. That they can share that they made mistakes or they made these choices under in this life and. That's what we are as parents. If it was easy, we'd all go straight to the celestial kingdom, right? Like just like with academics, if everyone got A's and B's, there'd be no reason for me, right, or my job. Repent. Do you know where that's at, right? <laughs> oh. But anyways, so you know. Like, well, I, well, I appreciate blessed. you guys on because it sheds a lot of a light on the things that you know as parents, because not just an athletic, not just a, a parent of an athlete, but as a parent. Because, you know, there's a kid that you would walk somewhere and you may know them, but you just walk by because you're like, oh, that's not my kid. But as a parent, man, that could be your kid. So stop in a few, you know, stop, give a few minutes of that kid's time. Because like Chad said, man, I wish I had that power discernment to be able to, to see that that kid's got something wrong. Because that's a gift. You know, that's something that you can do. But I'm so caught up with the things that go on in my world that I got to slow it down to be able to relate to my own kids. And that's, and I think that's that I'm just telling that I'm not preaching to anybody. That's just for me. Well, it's you know? hard. It takes time and it takes effort, man. And what do they all say? He spelled love T I M E. And it takes a little extra, especially at BYU as a coach and as a, a staff member, you have your own families that you're dealing with and you're trying to, you know, right. be a great father too. And then you see these 123 other kids that come and that's our family too. That's our responsibility, right? <laughs> and they know? might and, and they might be away from their dad or yeah, may not have a dad. Know. Well, you know, like I there's said, how Chaz many being able to see a guy and say, "Hey, are you doing all right?" You never know mm-hmm. what that kid was thinking or what that state of mind is. And I'm almost mindful of that. Like, don't ignore the spirit or the feelings that you have. It doesn't take that long to say, "Hey, bro, it doesn't good? Are you okay?" It takes like, a second what's to going go. On? You need to repent. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> but as long as I've known Strons and as long as I've, I've been able to, like, listen to the things that he talks about, it's always been about family. You know, sometimes I want him to stay negative like me, but I always get this stupid positive text back like, bro, you just need to shut that. You know, but <laughs> it, you, you need that foundation. So I'm hoping that because there's a support team there support team in any word that you do. So I'm glad that BYU has that. I'm, I'm grateful that he's here. You know, I may complain a lot, a lot. But Man, I see your son every day. And just to see his countenance and his demeanor and how he interacts with the guys. And I feel like he is home. Mm-hmm. And this is where he needs to be. And he's growing. And to see his smile and his interacting and... That's the power of BYU. That's the power of the, our team chemistry. But it's also knowing that if everything went away, his dad is five minutes away. Right. His mom is right here. You know what I mean? Just home cooking. Home, co- you home got, cooking. You don't got to right recruit there. us anymore, Strons. We're here. You don't got to do that no more. But I used to, Jay, I used to pick him up for work, right? Almost every day, right? Every day. He would come out with a styrofoam plate. You know the plate? Local Moco one day. Jay knows Just, already. I, I, every day. I, Jay, every day for work. Spoiler. And I was like, why are you going to Oregon? You can eat like this here every day. And what does he do? He eats at our house every day. Every day. <clears throat> but Fine, I wouldn't have it any me. other way. 
you know, I may complain about it just because it's just a, a thing, but he he literally is at home. But to see to his point, when I told you about this, when we came, it was trunk or treat. And for him and Puka to hug like they went to war. Like, why are you guys hugging like that? I didn't understand that because I never went I never went away to college. Yeah. And that's the exact same thing that Puka said. He's like, Uncle, you don't know how it is to be away. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I used to like God like crazy. It's a different like I, away, I told my parents not, I was not, at my cousin's house, well, but I went to Tijuana for that, three weeks. Those were like sons of Mosiah coming back together after a long time. <laughs> yeah. You were like tormenting murder. That's a different podcast. <laughs> it's a different podcast, but, anyway. but I couldn't relate. That's what I'm saying. I could not relate to that. It was something that I couldn't relate. So when he told me that, I was like, shh. Exactly the word came out. Soft. <laughs> but that was the day that we came back. Now that as we fast forward to today, I, I've never seen a, a more responsible, uh, a more active, because even though he may not go every Sunday, he tells me he does. <laughs> so I can take his word for it. But it's an opportunity for a testimony, bill, not just for him, but for me, you know, because I'm like, okay, I got to let you, li- you know, live, you know, live it. Chaz, I don't know if Chaz remembers, but, you know, I'm in the bishopric in the YSA, right? So You remember? I'm, okay. You have wow. to be a, Again. You have to be at BYU. You have to be on you the staff. To, yeah, yeah, right. Unbelievable. But okay. I'm in the YSA, right? And I'm telling him, come to church and attendance and blah, 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 blah. And I would go to my son. I was like, son. And he was like, I don't remember if you remember in the kitchen. He said, dad, I'm good. Like, you don't need a trip. Mm. Don't. My attendance at church, and I'm, and I remember me, mm-hmm. like, okay, that's all I need to hear from him. Dad, testimony solid. I'm good. Like, don't worry, working on some things. I'll get back. Blah blah blah. Right? Do you remember saying yeah. that? Not definitely. That's all I. That's all I needed to. That's hear. all you need to hear. But even with Chaz's um, experience, I was angry for him that I wanted to talk to my bishop, you know, <laughs> because that whole, you know, taking, you know, that ticket and all that stuff that happened where he got pulled over DUI, all that. I was angry, like literally angry. Like I, that kind of shook me a little bit because who he is and where he was coming from and the whole background, I don't want to get yeah. into that, but for my nephew to have to go through that, I did think about that with my son. And whenever he leaves, and I and I tell you this, whenever he leaves at night from our house, I think that, mm-hmm. son, it's it's late at night, you might get pulled over. So this is Coach Hickson. Shout out to Mike Hickson, who's a Orem police officer. <laughs> call call this number if you get pulled over from mm-hmm. Orem police officers. You know, and so to me, it it reverts back to like when Strons used to make me do stuff when we were in LA. You know, like mm-hmm. that because the cops were different, the, the the police force was different. You know, so when we and that's that's what I mean with this whole conversation of diversity. My son, he he grew up here in Orem. Even though he says he's from Laie, he he's from Orem, Utah. Mm-hmm. And so he lives in a bubble. And there's a lot of things that people don't understand. But when you're a BYU player, it's almost like I feel like they're waiting for you to fail. Mm-hmm. And the people around you, they're your best friends, but make a mistake. And see what happens. You'll be on the, the news. You'll be on everything. And so as a parent, we want him to come to our home and feel like we got your back mm-hmm. no matter what. You know, if you if you do whatever you need to do, as long as you don't do what Deshaun Watson did, we, we got your back. <laughs> wow. You know what I mean? Dang. Well, we talk about everything. Anyways. But, but so. you, know, you brought a great point because you grew up in Cali. I grew up in Cali. You grew up in Cali. And where do we choose to move to? In the bubble. Mm-hmm. Yep. There is something here. Because we feel like our kids are 
protected. Safe, protected, yeah. right? And so we, yeah, we're in a bubble, we're in a bubble. We chose to bring raise our kids in the bubble right? because we know it's outside the bubble. Right. And, and, and this so, will always be our home. This, this will, will always, always be, be home. home. No matter where my kids' careers go, we'll always come back to Utah. That's our home. For you know. Sure. So Leroy, just keep the Koku flag on your front door. Just keep waving it. You know, it don't it matter because I'm not even gonna get into that. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but we love you guys. Appreciate all yeah, that you guys sure. do. Thanks, Jay. And Chaz, say, appreciate because it. Because not only with Jay, we didn't even, I didn't even touch on that, but man, what a role model because there's a lot of kids that are thinking, assistant athletic director, we got a poly that's in there? Samoan that's in there? You know what I mean? Like, that's huge, you know, for, for a lot of people. You know, master's degree, bachelor's degree. And so they see that. And so I'm proud. Uh, you know, I'm proud that you're there and hopefully you'll become the president. <laughs> wow. And, uh, Very blessed. You know, it took a lot of hard work and there were some ups and downs for sure that we've talked about. But at the end of the day, the Lord knows. Divine design. Divine design. And I look back and I'm like, man, I've only been there seven years. This is my seventh year. Wow. And to have that title, I, you know, I never would have thought, but the title, <laughs> title to some is very important. It is a validation for me, you know, and I feel like someone recognized the work I was trying to do and my heart and why I was there and sacrificed the finance. My wife had to go to work because I was making a third of what I used to make in the private sector. Right. right. And I know that. And Joe, quit right now. <laughs> you know, but it was all worth it. I wouldn't take right. it back. And now I have an opportunity to be more intentional with the young men and my steward. Um, but you don't have to concentrate. On. You don't have to worry about the financial aspect. Now you can concentrate on your job 100%. Draw my job. You know? Well, you deserve it, Jay. They need you there. You know, with the programs that they have going on, they need Jay there. There ain't nobody else that can say they have a son in the program and be able to have that that insight, the recruiting behind it. There was a lot of influential people that Jay got into the program that a lot of people don't know backdoor. You know, mm-hmm. are you still going to be in charge of the NFL Pro Day? Um, no, but I'll, I'm sure I'll have an influence, especially this year. <laughs> you know, need to have more, especially you know. at least one more year, or maybe two, two more years. Two more years, but it's the round runs. And David Amadova, you know, Dave, he, yeah. me and him. But he changed positions too. He's senior associate, but we're still running together as far as, you know, he's an incredible man and. We've done that together. And so that, awesome. that's a machine that's really, really, really. Just make sure he don't get another black eye. But anyways, <laughs> rolling, rolling. And we'll tell you about that off air. But anyways, we love you guys. Appreciate you guys coming on our episode of Good, Good Story. Story. See you guys next week.